Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, a safe place for leading with your heart. Hey, thanks for being here. You, Me, Empathy is the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective, a collaborative mental health community designed to empower each of us to grow our capacity for empathy, vulnerability, and emotional wayfinding. Just a friendly reminder that this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Known as just a silly boy with a feely heart. You can support the show by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts, following us on social media at Yumi Empathy and Feely Human, and joining the Feely Human Collective community at feelyhuman.co. And now your host, Known Wells. Hello, feely humans. Welcome to another episode of You, Me, Empathy. My name is Known Wells. I am the creator and host. I'm also the founder of The Feely Human Collective, where we can collectively grow our capacity for empathy, vulnerability, and emotional curiosity. Learn more about that and connect with us at feelyhuman.co. This is episode 211 on the connectivity of food with my dear pal, Alexandra Katona. In this episode, Alex and I explore the ways in which we've changed since our youth, nurturing independence in our kids, death anxiety after losing a parent, and the magical ways in which food connects us. So much goodness in this episode. I really enjoyed connecting with my friend, Alex, Alexandra, really cherish her vulnerability here in talking about losing her father and talking about infertility in celebrating her beautiful new book, Dinner on Domingos, which you can get right now anywhere you get books. A place I highly recommend you get your books is your local independent bookshop. Local to me is the uh, wonderful bookshop Arvida Book Company in Tustin, California. Uh, if you don't have a local independent bookshop, a great resource is bookshop.org. If you go to bookshop.org and order Dinner on Domingos through that site, uh, it supports local bookstores to you. So I highly recommend the book. We talk a lot about it in this episode. It's beautiful. It's lovely. If you have kids, if you have nephews and nieces and little critters in your life, it's a beautiful book about connection and food and culture and heritage and language. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's called Dinner on Domingos. There is a link uh, in the show notes for this episode at feelyhuman.co. Before we get to the episode with Alex, I wanted to just remind you all that so this past Friday was the official kickoff of the emotional check-in series for Feely Human I'm doing. It's uh, a monthly, uh, every the third Friday of every month, we gather, Feely Humans from across the go globe gather to get Feely and to get deep and to connect. And our first session was beautiful. And I'm so grateful for all the Feely Humans who showed up and showed up in their wholeness and felt safe enough to do so because we all collectively decided upon and will continue to decide upon because there's no finish line what safe means for us collectively and how that feels and it was just it was just lovely it couldn't have gone better I'm so grateful for all who did show 
And I just wanted to share with you, if you're looking for some place to feel seen and heard in your beautiful wholeness, in your humanity, I recommend you show up. You missed the first one. That's okay. The next one is next month. Again, it's the third Friday of every month. If you sign up today, it's 120 bucks for the year. Uh, you get 11 sessions. Uh, uh, so hope you can sign up. That's at feelyhuman.co. If you click the, the top banner there, you can uh, learn more about what the emotional check-in series is. And a couple other things coming up. February 6th, we have the next grief and writing workshop called As We Carry On, led by Katie Huey. If you're someone who is experiencing some grief, I highly recommend this workshop. Katie is a dream. Um, it's a really, really powerful workshop. 90 minutes where we'll... Uh, it's interactive. It's all about self-compassion and, and exploring grief through writing. And then the last thing, on February 20th, I am leading an in-person, my Illustrating Empathy Workshop. I'm leading in-person at Arvita Book Company in Tustin. I mentioned them before. Arvita is uh, owned by Sam. I met Sam just this past week in person. She's lovely, wonderful, so generous with her heart and her space and her time. And I am going to be selling some Feely Human stuff there in the near future, hopefully. But also on February 20th uh, at 10 a.m. Pacific time, if you're local to Southern California, I would love to see you there. I'm going to be doing, I'm going to be starting to do some more marketing and sort of promo of this this workshop at Arvida, but hope you can be there. That's just uh, something to, to note and to, 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 to write down, and I'll, uh, I'll have more info soon. February 20th in Tustin, California at Arvita Book Company. Okay, let's get to the episode, shall we? This wonderful episode with my wonderful friend, Alexandra Katona, on the connectivity of food. Welcome to You, Me, Empathy, the official podcast of the Feely Human Collective. On this show, we explore the struggles, the triumphs, the brights and the darks we face as humans trying to get by on this wondrous and overwhelming pale blue dot. The intent of You, Me, Empathy is to talk openly without judgment about our mental health, our neuroses, our shared anxieties and worries, to create a dialogue that is vulnerable and deeply human and empathetic and to share that dialogue with others to inspire emotional and cognitive collaboration and insight so we can, hand in hand, break down the stigma that make us feel shame and guilt for struggling, for feeling our feelings, for being feely humans. Yumi Empathy is a safe, friendly space designed to inspire the beauty in each of us. Today, I am overjoyed to be here on Lunes with my sweet friend and author of the brilliant and beautiful and oh-so-delectable new picture book, Dinner on Domingos. It's Alexandra Katona. Hello! 
Hey, Noan. Thanks hey. for having me. Oh, my gosh. So happy to see you, friend. Uh, so happy to have you here. Loved your picture book. We'll get into your picture book, Dinner on Domingos. Uh, but first, let's do an emotional check-in. Okay. How are you feeling? I am feeling tired today. Uh, you know, the holiday weekend, and uh, we hosted Friendsgiving. No one mm-hmm. was there. Um, just tired. You know, the holidays are wonderful. I actually don't have um, much drama around them, which is super nice, and I'm still tired. So, uh, <laughs> just a lot of uh, food and family and friends, and I honestly can't complain. I just uh, I took a big nap yesterday. <laughs> Excellent. We need rest. We need we rest. We do. How are you doing today? I'm pretty good. Yeah. Also a bit tired. You know, uh, Alex knows this, but maybe the listeners don't yet. Uh, over Thanksgiving, we lost power for about two days. And that was, you know, it. it's something that can happen and it's stressful and it can happen because we're in sort of fire zone, you know, as you know, Alex. But mm-hmm. it was also a good lesson and, and it allowed us to go see Josh and Becca. We went and cooked over there and then brought the food back and the food turned out great. You know, Love we it. got to see Jessica's parents, Rich and Cynthia, and that was lovely. And so I'm, you know, I'm tired and I'm... <laughs> I'm feeling grateful. It's nice. Kind of force some get togethers in, in the best possible way. Yeah. And I really enjoyed uh, your Friendsgiving. That was, that was fun. I, I, I'm an introvert. So I, you know, large <laughs> groups of people tend to be, you know, a little draining uh, totally. for me sometimes. And I was admittedly a little bit anxious, specifically going into a situation where I would see like, Brian and Mike for the first time in like decades. I hadn't realized it had been so long. Yeah. 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 Kyle was telling me. So that was like, I was a little nervous about that because I'm wondering if you can relate to this, but, and maybe this is just my sensitivity, but I, I, you go into a situation like that and my, in my head, I'm like, well, they remember me as this person, right? Who's Mm -hmm. much younger than I am today. And how will that be now that I'm like a new person and very different, you know, and like, yeah. do you ever, do you yeah. ever feel that? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't actually have the, uh, opportunity to run into many people from high school. Um, right. you know, I don't, I didn't grow up in um, Southern California, so that literally never happens to me, but there was just a, um, our 20 year reunion was on Saturday, which obviously I didn't go to, um, but it is weird thinking about like the people we've become and transformed into and how that either meshes or doesn't mesh with, you know, who your friends used to be. Um, mm. I worry about it a bit, but I don't, I don't think I've uh, transformed too much. Like, I don't think my transformation is like yours in that sense. Um, mm. Just for better or worse. I think I'm, I've always kind of been more of a, I don't know how to put it. Like, extroverted but i do feel like i am getting a little bit more introverted as i get older like i do like the rest and the downtime um and i have changed in in terms of my perspectives and stuff so i do worry about more like clashes in terms of like beliefs definitely Mm -hmm. from like uh older older friends um but i totally yeah how do you think you've changed from like maybe high school alex to now what are you 38 39 39. Yeah. 39. I'll be 40 next year. Um, I think I'm definitely, uh, I, I just am so much more, um, 
I feel like open-minded and educated and what I knew, you know, from high school, um, going to a big liberal college, um, changed a lot of my viewpoints. Um, and so I grew up in a pretty, um, white, not too diverse, uh, community. Um, and then going from that to, uh, like college, which was, um, very diverse and large and fun. And, um, I mean, I did have like several friends, um, from my hometown, who were Indian. Um, and I learned so much from them and thankful for that, but you know, just a whole new world opening up people from all over the world and, uh, new cultures, new languages, um, new takes, new perspectives. It totally changed everything. I um, took a lot of social justice classes. I majored in environmental studies. I just learned about the world, you know, I traveled a lot in my twenties. Um, so I just want to say, I, I just gained a lot of perspective. I learned a new language. Um, so I just, I just feel like I am very different uh, in terms of uh, my thinking and perspective, but from the outside, I probably look like, you know, I don't look the same, but uh, act kind of similar, you know? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, and, and that's what sort of perspective and experience can do, right? Is to get us out of our own sort of little bubbles and, and to mm-hmm. see how the world could be or how other people live. And that's, yeah. that's a big piece of empathy, right? As you know. Totally. Yeah. Super grateful to have those opportunities uh, of travel and through work, seeing uh, the way different people live and how even like our purchasing decisions greatly affect people like coffee definitely um, taught me that early on. um, And that has transformed to other parts of, uh, you know, my buying power. So um, it definitely, uh, I definitely feel strongly about those types of uh, justices. So, yeah, I know you do. So let's, let's, let's rewind a bit. What, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what was your childhood like? Um, I have to first start off by saying I have very terrible memories. Um, like not terrible. Like I only remember bad memories. Like my brother tends your to memory, remember. Your like, memory, you're like a goldfish. Faded. Yes. <laughs> not, not, hopefully not as bad as a goldfish. Um, <laughs> but it's not great. Like I, my people will tell me things, and I'll be like. I don't really remember that day. Um, I think I got hit in the head too much playing sports. I did have a bad concussion in 2018, which hasn't helped. Um, I, and maybe I just wasn't designed to have the best memories. I feel like some people have wonderful memories and can re- like v- such vivid, like you can remember the smells of certain days. I'm not yeah. that, I wish I were better. Um, I'm not that person either. Especially for writing. It would make it so much easier. Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um Uh, My childhood was uh, fun. I remember it being fun, but also challenging. We moved a lot. My dad worked for Ford, um, was constantly getting promoted. Uh, So I was born in Michigan, and then we moved to the East Coast for a while. Uh, And I remember constant, like, all the holidays involved road trips. Because, like, Mm. in the Midwest, people are like, or on the East Coast, people are like, oh, it's only a 14-hour drive. (laughs) And you're less I didn't know you lived on the East Coast. What, what, where, whereabouts? I did. We lived in New York, um, New Jersey, and Massachusetts. Oh, um, all right. So I lived there for until I was in um, fifth grade, and then I moved back to Michigan. Um, mm. So I just uh, the the move from Jersey back home was tough. I actually loved Jersey. I was also the oldest, you know, when you move, and I had made really wonderful friends. Yeah. Um, I remember just being really mad at my dad for moving again. Um. But overall, my childhood was great. It was full of um, forts and outside and running in the woods and uh, checking for ticks. And Oh, my God. The tick um, check. Tick Ooh. check. So many tick checks. I had, I had all sorts of ticks on me all the time. I was always outside. Um, involved a lot of sports. Mm-hmm. Um, 
my, it was my brother and I, a lot of the time, you know, cause we had moved and we would make up, you know, back then we uh, didn't have like tons of screen time or video games. So we always talk about this one game. Like we would have so much fun with a tennis ball. Um, <laughs> yeah. and we would just play this game where you whack this tennis ball and you, we had like two doorways, you know, and you have to try to get it in between. It was very simple lasted a long time oh, yeah. <laughs> i relate to that so hard we did we you're like resurfacing a memory where my brothers and i played because we didn't have like video games or even cable tv we would play this game called tripper ghost where one of us puts a blanket on our heads and the other two just try to trip them that was basically that which is so ridiculous but we just did, did it for hours i know exactly right Hence my goldfish memories. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so great. Uh, my dad used to do stuff like that. My dad um, would put his jacket over his head and walk home from school. And he did actually get a concussion walking home for lunch one day. Oh my goodness. He was falling asleep at lunch because he had hit his head uh, on a car with a jacket oh. over his head and didn't want to tell his mom. <laughs> that's hilarious. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, it was so like, I feel like you could have so much fun with, uh, with a stick or like a mm. ball mm-hmm. um, back then. And that was my child. I spent a lot of time outside. You know, a lot yeah. of people say when the lights came on, you go inside and have dinner and stuff. And that was, I was always yeah. outside in forts, making forts. We had, um, in our house in Jersey, we just backed up into an open, um, field with, uh, woods behind it. And mm. we would go back there, me and my friend Nina, man, we would just, we'd be gone. I love um, that. Yeah. You know, that independence I'm struggling with nowadays with my own kid, um, mm. you know, trying to nurture that sense of independence and making mistakes and learning from them without having adults around, um, stuff, especially in Southern California where there's a lot of people, um, and there's a lot of hovering. Cause I feel like we don't get the opportunity to let our kids roam as much. Begin yeah. Trouble. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. It, Cause I, <clears throat> I also like you had a lot of independence and I, I think it's because, I mean, I think it's for different reasons. Like I think my parents just like cared less Uh, and I wanted to get out of the house because I didn't want to be near them, but, Mm. um, it's independence and it's also, I think it fostered some wonder and curiosity and, and, and critical thinking and, and just sort of, uh, being in the world and, and trying to sort of navigate it in a way that felt achievable. Um, but yeah, I mean, but I was also like, a white kid in Southern California. So it felt safe and, and comfortable in that way. So I was, mm-hmm. I was in my own bubble of that, mm-hmm. you know, of that experience, that homogenized experience. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> is, it is interesting though, how much you learn. Like, I don't know. I, I felt deeply connected to nature and I have to assume it was because we spent so much time outside. I still feel very connected and I feel like that's my safe space. Um, mm. uh, just like, being outside in, um, you know, playing in leaves or in snow or in forts, um, climbing trees. I still enjoy climbing trees. Um, Same. Me too. Give <laughs> um, me up a tree anytime. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for real. Um, I just hope, I just hope this, uh, you know, these, these generations feel as connected as we do. Um, mm. cause I don't think they're spending as much time outside. So, um, I don't know. I, I don't know. I do get, I get worried for all sorts of reasons. Um, but mm. my childhood was full of nice, fun memories outside and full of Disney movies. Um, man, now that I look back on these Disney movies, I'm like the little mermaid 
sends the worst message. Terrible like, message. So bad. Basically, the patriarchy personified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, just give up your voice for this dude you don't know. Yeah. For legs, you don't even know what to do with. Like, oh, man. Watching some of these movies with my kid now has been like, what the heck? Like, Has it been an opportunity to talk to Isaac about... Um, like mm, maybe it could be done this way or whatever. Hundred percent, yeah. Like watching these eighties, uh, nineties movies, a little horrifying. Also, like Back to the Future has some horrifying elements in it. Um, yeah. John yeah. Malarkey has a great uh, bit about it, but like Did you say John Malarkey. No, uh, Mulaney. John, John Mulaney. <laughs> I think said John Malarkey. I'm like. Perfect comedian's last name. Malarkey. Sorry, Mulaney. I knew when I said that it didn't sound right. Um, Yeah, Mulaney has a great bit about like how wildly inappropriate the whole like storyline is. Um, But then I watched it with Isaac and I was just like, holy shit. Like, I have to, yeah, no. (laughs) I mean, that's, I I guess, sort of the the blanket uh, name for that is progress, right? Totally. I I remember a few years back rewatching the movie Overboard with Jessica and a couple of friends. And I remember loving that movie as a kid, you know, Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell. Mm-hmm. And it's it's rapey. It's yeah. like it's problematic. I mean, I think I can sort of like step outside of that perspective. It's like, oh, they're married and they like <laughs> but like in real life, right? In real but life, still right. like the story is like, oh uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good word for it. Progress. I'm a uh, very, I'm very for progress. So when you do watch the older movies, it is uncomfortable, and you're like, yeah, that's that's not going to be shown again here. We're not yeah. going to do that one again. Yeah, uh, just too much to explain. It's not fun when you have to pause it and and be like, okay, here's why this scene, uh, you know, is a little inappropriate. Totally, totally. <laughs> yeah, it makes it uh, it, uh, not as entertaining. Yeah, for sure. So were your parents also sort of like outdoorsy or were they just kind of encouraging of that? Um, you know, it's weird. I always thought we like camped a ton growing up, but we, mm. we really only camped, um, like once, maybe twice. We always did a Memorial weekend camping trip. My dad had really good high school friends. Um, and so we always went camping on Memorial weekend and it was like the time of everyone's lives. Um, <laughs> tons of kids, tons of adults having fun. You know, like my dad would always play this Frisbee game with his friends and we would always just run around the campgrounds. We used to go to Canada. Um, and there was this awesome campground on Lake Michigan. Uh, and it was, it was wild. It was just so much fun. Um, <laughs> but looking back on like other, we didn't really take many camp trip camping trips. Mm. Um, I think my mom has always enjoyed being like hiking, being outside, but we really didn't do a ton of those growing up. Um, my dad was traveling a lot for work and I think it was probably stressful for my mom to have two um, very active children, um, yeah. to take care of, uh, a lot of days, like, you know, on her own. Yeah. Um, so I don't have like super vivid memories of like being outside with him a lot. Um, sure. Except uh, like with my brother, like in when we used to live in Massachusetts, we lived behind another forest and there was a reservoir in the back and there was bullfrogs mm. back there. And so I have a lot of memories of me and my brother um, exploring and playing with the neighbor's dogs because we would never we never had a dog. Um, so we would always ask to play with neighbor dog. I'm obsessed with dogs. <laughs> always wanted some. Um, and so I remember playing with like uh, Molly. We used to call her Molly the rock dog. 
Mm. We we would throw (laughs) a rock super far and she would come back an hour later with the same rock. Um, And there's those memories I feel like I have, but not a lot of like trips involving nature, I guess. Mm. A lot of um, weekends and those types of moments. There hearing you describe these memories it's it feels nostalgic to me like it feels like because like when i think of childhood that is that that is the thing sort of i latch on to is these sort of like wild adventurous like me trying to be like calvin and Hobbes, you know just like (laughs) romping romping in the woods and um yeah i think you're right i think it's hard to do that in sort of a uh, urban oasis uh, such as Southern California. Mm-hmm. How are you finding pockets? Because like, uh, it's one hand, it's like the access. Like one hand's like, let's go into the woods physically. Right. And the other is like mindset and perspective. Like how are you fostering that in your family? Yeah, no, those are fantastic question um, because it's something you have to be super conscious of and on a you know weekly effort, um, making sure that you're fostering it. Cause it's not like you can just be like, go out and play in the woods. Um, right. so, uh, there's no bullfrogs in your backyard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately not. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, we, as you know, we go, um, surfing, um, every Sunday. So the ocean is like a huge part of, I feel like why we are, I mean, our family lives here, but it's a huge draw for us. Um, yeah. if our family weren't here, I think we'd still probably stay cause we love the ocean so much. Um, and so fostering that love of the ocean to me feels like more of an open area where I don't feel so claustrophobic mm-hmm. and love swimming in the ocean. I've been swimming all year in the ocean for several years now, and it's been, um, like deeply therapeutic. Uh, and I, my son loves it. You know, we just get him thicker wetsuits and hoodies and he's been going with us all year, which has been a surprise. I didn't know if he'd go, you know, it's been dropping under 60 degrees and he'll, he'll still cruise in. Um, <laughs> So the ocean has been a part. We go for hikes, um, even for walks around the neighborhood. Um, I still feel like anytime you're outside and looking at bugs and trying to catch lizards, it's a constant. I think he tried to catch lizards all summer um, <laughs> last year. Um, and so that's definitely something I'm always thinking about is like, how can we get, um, you know, somewhere in nature, even if it's a park or uh, a a hiking trail, although hiking trails sometimes to me are so crowded yeah. some spots that it's like, you're, you're uh, trying to dodge uh, mountain bikers and all this stuff. So it kind of, for me, defeats the purpose some days. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just being super conscious of like getting into those spaces, I feel like is something that I have to uh, think about on a weekly basis. Yeah. Getting to the ocean, getting to a, like just a space um, mm-hmm. outside. Yeah. And yeah, my kid, I a, have to say, is pretty good at, I'm sorry. No, 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 go ahead. Say so he's pretty good at entertaining himself outside because um, we've done it, you know, we do it so much. Um, yeah, you're creating uh, that consistency for him. He's like, oh, I, I feel safe in this environment. I, I can show up in whatever way feels comfortable to me. I can explore. You're fostering that. That's wonderful. Well, thanks. Yeah. Thanks. We, uh, I stopped bringing beach toys a long time ago. I hate them because they're plastic and half the time I see people walk away and they just leave them go right yeah. into the ocean. Um, but also there's so many fun things to play at the ocean, uh, within the ocean, around the ocean, um, that I feel like those are a huge distraction. 
So mm-hmm. we stopped bringing those many years ago and I, we have not missed them. Um, we'll bring a boogie board or a surfboard now, but yeah. um, that's about it. Yeah. A lot could be said about the, the space itself and then your imagination. Yeah. Just, just run with it. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, yeah. Making even like sand forts and rock castles and, you know, whatever the, I didn't grow up by the beach. So I feel like for me, I'm re-experiencing this childhood mm. of, of a beach childhood, which is, we used to go to the beach in Jersey, but I mean, Jersey beach is, uh, not Jersey, shore. Jersey shore. Yeah. Not the same. No. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's been, it's been fun to experience that again too. That's wonderful. Yeah. The, so the, the ocean and sort of being in nature for me and I'm wondering if it's the same for you, it's, it's humbling. It's like, it's an experience that reminds me that I am uh, sort of connected, but also like a very small part of like a giant world, right? 100%. Yeah, I feel you so hard on that. Mm. Yeah, just being part, just being in the ocean, <laughs> even just you, you're a tiny, like a little speck. Um, and I don't know if you enjoy surfing like this for me, I've picked up on it and I've really enjoyed the fact that it's super unpredictable. Like I know you grew up playing sports and they're always like Mm -hmm. very predictable fields, right? You have a soccer field or a basketball court or whatever. Right. And that's right. doesn't change. I think what's been super interesting about surfing for me is that, um, I, I don't call the shots at all. Right. So you're waiting and you're uh, listening and, um, it's been really calming for me to slow down and, and just, you know, figure out, uh, when's a good time to, to take a wave and Mm. to listen. And, um, I think I love how unpredictable it is, Mm -hmm. um, and how it's all part of nature, just like letting me know. Um, I think that's that's what's so cool about surfing. Yeah. I really love that, that perspective. That's really beautiful. It's like, cause you're right. Uh, a soccer pitch or a baseball field or whatever it's it's you know what it is right and the ocean is an unpredictable thing and and let's let's extend that metaphor further so is life (laughs) so is living right Mm -hmm. it's unpredictable it's changing it's messy it's you don't know what's going to happen you do have to listen you do have to be curious and pay attention um yeah yeah, i love that a lot that's great yeah i do like surfing yeah yeah do you feel that way is that I do feel that way. And I do love to be out there. I think, I think I stopped for a long time because I, you know, it's so interesting. Like I, I was reflecting on this just yesterday, just about sort of the culture of winning and, and, and doing and achieving and and crushing and killing, you know, like all this language we use in so many spaces that feels, I like in reflecting back on my sort of experience playing sports, like even in within sports, like I felt uncomfortable with it. Like mm. it was always something like I want to have fun and play and like, yeah, I'll, I'll like take it seriously. And it's fun to like do well, but yeah. like ultimately I never cared about winning or losing. I just wanted to like enjoy the experience. And I didn't even in high school, even in high school. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think, I think, you know, you get caught up in sort of the 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 culture of like we have to win and we're, we're number one, you know, all this stuff. And like I, you know, you get caught up in it and you have to be part of the team, so you you play along a bit. But mm-hmm. like, if I had my way, I would have just been let's just let's just be here and yeah. let's be supportive of each other and let's have fun and we could take it seriously too. But 
also it's just a fucking game you know like at the end yeah. of the day and like um I'm, i've been thinking more and more about that lately because just you know just in life right like i get emails in my spam inbox that say like 10 things 10 things to do to win at life in business i'm like i don't want to win why do we have to win there's an implied loser why do what's wrong with losing like there's there's such this like this emphasis on like winning so i bring that up ted lasso here i love (laughs) it (laughs) um i love ted lasso but (laughs) <laughs> the culture of surfing, I remember, like felt a little bit too aggressive to me, felt a little bit too like territorial to me, felt like in my soul, surfing was like, I am one with Mother Nature. I'm I'm here to, to sort of allow myself to kind of be in this space and to go wherever she takes me, right? Yeah. That's that's how I felt and still feel. But yeah. like I, I didn't, I think when I started to feel those things, when I first got into surfing. Uh, I didn't have the self-esteem or the armor or the protection of like, or or sort of ownership of my own self and awareness of my own self to really know what to do with those feelings. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm in and I, you know, I, I, I don't let them sort of really bother me. Yeah. Even though those feelings do creep up, I'm like, you're fine. You're fine. Like, yeah. y- y- nothing's going to happen. But um, yeah. It's kind of like the, like Rob Machado versus Kelly Slater outtake right mm, where interesting where rob i don't know tons about either of them but from what i know rob seemed like a much more laid back wanted to surf because he like genuinely loved surfing and being part of oh the ocean mm-hmm. um, that's how i always uh understood rob machado and then you have kelly slater you know the goat um but a deep deep desire to win and be a champion and still still has that yeah um and so I, I do think it is about outlook. And at the end of the day, if like, you know, winning all the time and uh, I, I know he lost friends, right. I've watched that, um, that documentary about it. Um, but if that's like, that's, that's what you want to do and that's what makes you happy. Um, I'm definitely like not judging you. And I do think champions have like a very specific mentality. Yeah. Um, I've never had that either. Um, I do enjoy winning. Uh, I, my family will tell you I'm extremely competitive, but it's not going to like ruin my day. Um, and I am like trying to, you know, be more laid back as I get older. Cause I have a child who, um, really doesn't enjoy sports, <laughs> which has been funny. Uh, cause you know, uh, my husband, Kyle, yeah. how has like, that been? Isaac not being hilarious. in sports. It's like super hilarious. Cause, um, early on, uh, and I think it makes life a lot easier for parents to realize that you are not leaving a legacy. This child is their own uh, mm. human. They are their own entity and um, they love things. And sometimes it's not something that you like. And that's wonderful because it opens you up to a whole new world of possibilities and love for um, something you maybe didn't ever take a close look at. Um mm. So for me, it's been really actually entertaining to have a child who, <laughs> uh, and not pushing them into organized sports and, you know, the whole burnout and, um, like losing Saturdays and Sundays, um, having more family time has not been horrible. I mean, he's definitely, he swims, he likes swimming. So we've been focusing on that. Um, but it's not a total time suck and we do only have one kid, so it makes life certainly easier to slow down, uh, on the weekends, um. Yeah. And it's just been like a, you know, um, just trying to raise a child who has their own interests and deep desires and just, uh, 
putting a sense of like love in them is just like our own, my only goal. I just want a kid who is not a dick. <laughs> like, just be kind. Yeah, if you're kind, then uh, I've, and if you're kind and following your own passions, then I've won. Yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, that's wonderful. I mean, I, I think that's how putting us, I mean, parents, friends, etc. Like, that's, that's the, that's the perspective, right? Because like, you know, we're roughly the same age, you know, you grow up in a time where like, you do the sport because you're, that's the sport of the family, or you do the sport because that's what your sibling did, or mm -hmm. that's the sport the dad played or the mom played or whatever, right? Yeah. And um, there's, for me, at least, there felt like less wiggle room for like, space to just explore and like try new things and and i'm probably um misremembering that and i and i think i enjoyed playing soccer but like i also reflect i'm like ah like i would have been a great dancer or you <laughs> yeah. know piano player or whatever right and um it's a tough i i i'm not a parent so i'd imagine it's it's maybe it's not maybe i'm putting that on you is it tough to like just allow him to sort of be and then also sort of like make sure he's safe and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, sometimes I think it's tough when a society always wants um, like winning or um, competition or, you know, I feel like so many kids are either in soccer and or basketball and or baseball. Like it seems like everybody is um, going down that path, which I don't judge. I mean, I know this is what we do, but I think, I judge them, Alex, judge, judge them. them. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, having an only child is really interesting to me um, because there's no like birth order um, passions, right? So if your older brother likes baseball or your older sister likes softball, whatever, like you tend to gravitate toward that, right? Yeah. So I think what's interesting, and this wasn't our plan to have one kid, but um, here we are, uh, that he is really like deciding he's going down his own path. Um, which I, I think is actually really cool. There's no huge outside influence in terms of like, yeah, I mean, his cousins like baseball or whatever, but he is really not easily influenced, um, which 95% of the time is great. Uh, <laughs> um, so I, I think I really love that about him is that he is really like a fiercely his own person. Um, mm -hmm. He's creative. Um, uh, I feel like much more so than I ever was growing up in that sense of, just his imagination is wild. Maybe mine was. I just maybe don't remember it, but it's yeah. wild. Just being that. lost in it for so long. Um, so important. Yeah. But and I think it's, I mean, I, I, it does go back to the winning and the sort of the, the system of, let's call it internalized capitalism. The production, the doing, the doing, doing. Yeah. We need to be more and, and do less, right? So, like, the mm -hmm. being of, like, I Isaac sort of, like, allowing him to have space and the freedom to, like, be in his head and to use his imagination to be creative. Like, kids and humans need that space. Yeah. I mean, do you find, like, when you're writing, like, how do you find that space for yourself? Is there something, is there someplace you go or, like, is it maybe you write a lot in your head while you're hiking or, like, what does that look like for you? Well, first of all, this is my podcast. How dare you ask me questions? <laughs> uh, second of all, yes, happy to answer. You're very generous. <laughs> um, it, it's 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 you know I I I like a bit of chaos. I I like like I to the point where 
I I think I take it too far. So yesterday I was reflecting with Jessica on, she was like, you hike a lot and, and sort of are off on your own a lot in the woods. And I'd really like you to like, make sure you have a plan for when you, and if you encounter a mountain lion. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> my, it is fair, totally fair. But my instinct is like, how dare you? I could, I could, I'm, I've, I've never, like, I've, ex- so the reality yeah. is I've, I've experienced one mountain lion in my 30 plus years of hiking and running in the woods, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it does, it happens all, it happens, right? It yeah. happens. And so, like, I could sort of, te- I can sort of take that extra step toward her, meet her in the middle and say, yeah, I'll look it up. My instincts were right, to be clear. Just to make everything think I was right. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But they were like you, you, you make yourself big. You don't yep. run away. You, you know, you yell or you throw things toward the the animal uh, near the animal. Um, but like I could have, like my my instinct is just to be like, well, if it happens, it happens. And I wonder sometimes if that's just my sort of like anarchic, like you know, the world is chaos sort of approach maybe it's partly my depression sometimes too but like i do should probably for jessica's anxiety and her sake because i i don't want to die ultimately (laughs) (laughs) is to like yeah let's i'll I'll google it to make sure i have it in my head and you know that kind of thing but yeah, yeah to answer your question writing and being creative like i definitely get that in nature movement i definitely need quiet and space to mm-hmm. do to do that th- that thing and it is certainly easier to do that i'd imagine you know i don't have kids so i'd imagine it's probably easier to do that sometimes when you don't have kids but maybe i'm wrong maybe it depends on the person i guess yeah it probably depends i mean for me sometimes um kids are an inspiration in terms of like an idea or something funny mm, or yeah. seeing what makes them laugh or i don't know they're very distracting though, in terms of actually trying to sit down and write. Like I really couldn't write until Isaac um, was in school. Right. Um, but combo, combo of things, inspiration and also distraction. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you but- mentioned before that you have Isaac, uh, you have uh, one kiddo mm-hmm. and that wasn't necessarily the plan. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, so we, Conceived Isaac um, very easily. I actually didn't really know about, uh, embarrassingly, I did not know much about ovulation. (laughs) Uh, I didn't know much because I didn't have to know. We got pregnant um, like the second month. It was kind of a surprise. I thought it would take a bit longer. Um, Didn't time it very well because his birthday is right around Christmas. (laughs) Sorry, Isaac. (laughs) Um, But it was a joy. Uh, Super exciting. Also overwhelming to be a new mom. Um, you feel like you lose a little part of yourself. Um, and then eventually you're ready to start thinking about another one, even though the world asks you like right after you have a child about when your next one is coming, which is super annoying. Don't do that to anybody. (laughs) Uh, just don't ask, especially if you don't know the person we were, so we started thinking about having another kid when he was about two and then we started trying and then like nothing, nothing for a long time. We both got tested um, nothing like we couldn't really figure out what the issue was. Eventually, I think we were just diagnosed with secondary infertility, uh, without any real good explanation. Um, what does that, what does that mean? Secondary infertility? Uh, it just means when you, um, can't easily bear another child after your first one. 
Hmm. Um, and for me, I like answers. I like science. I like things that are explainable and make sense. And I just wanted someone to tell me I was broken. I just wanted to be like, hmm. you're broken. And then I'd be like, okay, that makes sense to me moving on. Um, you know, you get your hormones checked and you do all these weird tests involving dye and tubes and it was not fun. Um, and everything came back normal from those yeah. tests? Yeah. Everything for me, everything for Kyle. Um, I just really wanted someone to tell me that I wasn't working because I think that would have made more sense to me than... Uh, you have an answer. Yeah, yeah. An answer. I wanted an answer and I never got one still. Um, mm. And so we'd always t- talked about like foster adoption or whatever. Um, I don't really want to go too much into that because it's a big rabbit hole. But um, we tried last year and it didn't go quite as we expected. And it's maybe something we'll think about, um, you know, in, in a few years, maybe when Isaac's a bit older, Mm. but, um, Isaac does have anxieties of his own, um, which we've been dealing with a lot the last year and a half. I think COVID hasn't helped that. Um, so I'm not sure fostering would be, would be great for him at the Mm. moment. Um, so it's just been a weird, uh, a weird roller coaster. Um, of just like being super excited for other, your other friends to have multiple children um, and seeing that like amazing sibling bond that, mm. you know, you want to be able to give your child, but then also trying to look at, you know, the other side of it, which is what, you know, Kyle's also very good at, um, but always trying to look at, you know, maybe we could, we could go traveling way more. We could expose him to more um, mm-hmm. and he gets to choose his best friends um, and he gets to choose, you know, those people that he wants to, to spend his time with when he's older. So yeah, it does make me very sad to not have that, you know, that sibling. Um, but I know lots of people who don't like their siblings. So <laughs> there's also that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you do. I do. I yeah. do. Um, and I had him, you know, I had my brother a lot growing up to have, you know, that time and space. And it's also, yeah. it's also hard as a parent because you're the play, you're the play date <laughs> a lot That's of the times right. and it's tiring my kid has a ton of energy yeah. um and he talks a lot and sometimes i don't want to play um but other times i do and it's super fun and we will build like amazing lego creations so um i think the infertility um journey has been humbling um and frustrating um and just having to step back on that, like lack of control was pretty hard mm. for me. Um, but then I made eyes there. Uh, Kyle gets snip snapped. Uh, I always think of Michael Scott snap, snip, snip, snap. <laughs> it's all very emotional, uh, because I could not handle, um, my personal journey. I did not want to have children in my forties. Um, I did not want to have children a decade apart. Mm. Um, so I think, uh, for me, it was like too emotional also to like, keep wondering, if I'm pregnant all the time, it's a lot. It was a lot for me. So like, you know, I think five years of not knowing what was going on and like, you know, if I were late sometimes not knowing Mm -hmm. if I were pregnant at one point, I was like, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Um, Yeah. That's a lot. (laughs) I'm sure he's fine. Uh, Yes. That's a lot. That's a lot to hold and carry. And, you know, I'm sorry you had to go through the ups and downs of that. That's, I've spoken to others who have have gone through similar things and it's there's so much like at play in terms of just the pressure of it, especially the pressure of the woman, the, the, the child bearer. Right. And and that piece of it. And and 
I'm Latina. Like we're You're supposed Latina. to have like a billion, yeah. like a billion kids. And like, family's <laughs> this like intrinsic value and you got to like, yeah, it's. I mean, uh, all my cousins had tons of kids without trying. And so you kind of feel like a failure. Um, like I said, I do like winning. Um, so you do like, you do feel like I am broken. Like I'm the only Latina mm. who can't get pregnant with just out looking at a guy, you know, like. <laughs> you're not a failure and you're not broken. It's, I so. it, I think it is hard and it is an experience that, yeah, you said, like, like you said, it allows you to maybe reflect on the control piece, reflect on, you know, what Kyle said in terms of like, maybe we travel more, maybe, you know, like Isaac chooses his best friends, his, you know, ride or dies, you know, like, (laughs) and, and that's, that's change and that's hard and it doesn't need, it doesn't necessarily, it doesn't mean that like your grief is absolved. Like you don't put your grief away and, and hide it away. It's still there. And it can be this other thing too. Um, but yep. you're not yeah. broken like, <laughs> very clearly. Thanks. Don. I know it's hard. Like it's hard to not have answers. Right. Totally. But to go back to the ocean, right. Don't have answers there. This is true. Right. This is we true. could be waiting around for the set we want, and maybe that set doesn't come. Maybe a seal comes up and gives us a little kiss, gives us a little kiss <laughs> on the face. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nice? That'd be so nice. That'd be so nice. Maybe Thanks. a great white shark eats our feet. Who knows? It's I a mean, good story. Yeah, yeah, good story. It's a good story. Yeah. <laughs> I was, you know, it's weird you talk about grief too, because um, my dad passed when Isaac uh, wasn't even three years old. And right. I always wonder if that played a lot in my body's inability to like move forward um, mm. Mm. with burying another kid. Mm. I don't know. Maybe. Grief is a powerful thing. And you horrible. lost your dad. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember when that happened and... Uh, so hard. Yeah, it was really unexpected. And I think, um, I don't, I don't, nothing's better. You know, it's not, you know, if he had cancer and you had this like year diagnosis, I don't know if that's any better. Um, right. There's really never, you know, closure as people say, mm-hmm. um, always looking for answers, right. Or some, or something more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think his grief has triggered or my grief and his loss has triggered, um, a bit of anxiety about, myself dying. I never used mm. to care if I died, that I had a mm. kid. And then I was like, I don't want to die. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And so just having some anxiety around, you know, not wanting to leave my kid. That's understandable. Cause that, that, that was the experience you had. You lost your dad. Like I was old. Yeah. I was in my thirties. Like I was um, 30, um, 32. How old was I? 32 or something like that. And I thought if this is a, if it is this hard losing a parent at this age, what's it look like when you're so young? Um, mm. And so that, and then Isaac has anxiety now about, and it's pretty common, I guess, at his age, he's eight, almost nine about losing a parent. So mm. mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to die. <laughs> Whereas before I'm like, yeah, whatever happens, happens, you know, life's been great. <laughs> I'm lucky. There's some <laughs> stakes now. There's definitely stakes. Yeah. yeah. Especially with an only child. And and you feel, I think you feel that anxiety and, and fear and maybe pressure because you love deeply, right? 
Yeah, you more love than your, I you loved your thought. dad deeply. You love your mom deeply. You love Kyle deeply. You love Isaac deeply, and and you're empathetically experiencing the fact that like you experienced that loss too, and you don't want that for Isaac. You don't want that for Kyle, right? Like that's yeah, Sucks. that's a lot to <laughs> hold. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Thanks. I haven't talked to like very openly about any of this, so this is interesting now. <laughs> Well, I appreciate you being open about it. It's yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. The the loss of like I I haven't experienced loss like that, you know. You know, the the thing I equate to, and I I'm not like belittling my experience, but you know, losing Scooby was like sort of like the the closest thing I can sort of relate to. You know, I've lost like uncles and things like that, but that's not belittling it, man. Dogs are Yeah, no, for sure. But like it's family. It's, I think you hit it on the, the nail on the head when you said it's, there is no closure. Like it, it will always suck. Um, I think, so I had this beautiful conversation with, and I'm, I, I, I always bring it up because it's like so resonant to me. So this pastor rabbi, um, not pastor rabbi, rabbi Steve Leader, <laughs> pastor rabbi, he's a combo. I like, oh, we're, fl- we're flexible. He's, I like it. Yeah, he's, <laughs> He's sort of leading leading the way in this circle, in this circle. I was intrigued. <laughs> this pastor, rabbi, superstar. No, uh, this rabbi, Steve Leader, wrote this book called The Beauty of What Remains. I highly recommend it. Mm, I'm writing this. Um, and he talks about how, because he lost his father, and it's about his experience losing his dad, and also sort of the experience of being at the bedside of of, of thousands of people, you know, as a rabbi in his capacity of like their deathbed, right? Mm-hmm. And he he said in his book and to me in my conversation on this podcast, he said, I used to believe that it will get better, um, but now I believe that it will always hurt. It will just maybe hurt a little less over time. That's the truth. Right? Yeah. Um, it's not about better. It's about maybe hurting a little less. Um, because he was your dad, right? Like he, he, Scooby was my dog, right? Yeah. Like these are, these are creatures, humans, uh, uh, people in our lives who make lasting impacts, right? Yeah, for sure. You are your father's daughter. <laughs> and Scooby birthed me. <laughs> <laughs> in a way yeah right it's like so, true. so much transformation you know throughout his life um so it's fucking dog. messy and it's hard it's so it is messy and i think that's you know what i've learned about um grief is that like some days are just better than others and it's weird like the shit that reminds you of that person or that creature like mm-hmm. super surprising things that have really taken me back like I had lunch with a friend, uh, a male friend a while back and so weird. His fingers and his fingernails look just like my dad's. Wow. And I had to like go to the bathroom. It was like super strange. Cause I was like, I don't know, you know, like my dad, I felt like had pretty distinct, like, uh, hands. They were just, like, mm. very muscular. They were like weird. And when he tickled you, it hurt cause they were so strong <laughs> and you're like, ah, ah, oh, that hurts <laughs> too strong. <laughs> Uh, but you know, like those, those moments or things that, uh, remind you of that person or, or creature, like they're, they take, they, they really like, um, 
they, they take me back sometimes because you're just not expecting it or it's in a moment or mm -hmm. some person has that laugh like mm -hmm. them in a coffee shop in a distance and you're like, what the shit? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, it's so unpredictable. Um, mm. for me, I, I think I, I don't like that. <laughs> mm. Interesting. I like a lot of, um, I like a lot of things being unpredictable, but grief is not fun. Yeah. This is usually not in the right space either. You're usually in public or. <laughs> it would be jarring. Yeah, it would be jarring. Yeah. yeah. It's strange. Yeah. Hmm. How is, how has your mom been with that experience and, and since? Um, you know, some days better than others. November yeah. really sucks for our family. It was my dad's birthday and then his death anniversary is also in November. Mm. So I tend to not like this month too much. I used to love Thanksgiving, but it was like his favorite holiday. My dad loved meat. He loved cooking meat and he loved uh, hanging out and having dinner. So Thanksgiving was his favorite. He hated Christmas, <laughs> hated putting up lights. He used to just like take a string of lights outside, I swear, and just like throw them on a tree <laughs> and was like, I'm done. Christmas lights are up. He was no Clark Griswold. He was the opposite of Clark Griswold. Um, I think he hated the commercialism of it all. And as I get older, <laughs> um, I knew my new nickname, actually, I was given this year's uh, Cranksgiving because <laughs> I get very mad that Christmas always precedes Thanksgiving now. And I'm like a, a big purist. Like, can we just celebrate not the, not the genocidal part of it all, but I yeah. really just like sitting down. Obviously, I wrote a book about it, having a meal with family that doesn't involve gifts. Like I just like sitting and eating good food together. Like that is that is a really special place in my heart. Um, yeah. And so now now I'm now I'm called Cranksgiving because I don't want to see Christmas shit or hear music until after Thanksgiving. I am a purist. And it I, will think, never change. I, I wouldn't even call yourself a purist. I think that's fair. I think that's well, a you, that's no. a reasonable ask. Thank you. Yes, I am on Team Alex. <laughs> thank you. I know I go to Costco and I feel like it's August. I'm like, no, what is this? But your dad was right. It's it it's all money. It's all about the money. It's all yeah. commercial. Yeah. It, it uh, not that I am a minimalist by any by any means. I tried. It hasn't worked in our family with <laughs> with a child who likes Lego and in books, but, um, books, I feel like they're fine. Yeah. I have so many now. Um, but just like, just settling in on, on what we have in the moment and being grateful is something I am. I am constantly trying to shove down my child's throat. It doesn't, <laughs> it's not working, but maybe one day. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if like the juxtaposition of that sort of like deep life lesson and, and yeah. the shoving of the throat thing. I don't know if that's listen to me. <laughs> No, I'm not. I shouldn't say that. I say it a lot. I should say it's always like, let's enjoy this moment. <laughs> let's yeah. be present. And when you're eight, yeah. it doesn't seem to resonate as much. And that's okay. One day it will. It will. I think, I think be consistent and it will. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about this book, Dinner on Domingos. So for the listeners, Alex wrote this beautiful picture book called Dinner on Domingos. And it's about ritual. It's about coming together with family uh, over food and the experience of of a Sunday, uh, of what a Sunday could be within uh, a family. And it's it's beautiful. And 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 as we're having this conversation too, I I'm sort of reflecting on like your experience of sort of living and 
And now that you, I, it makes sense that you would write this book is what I'm saying. Cause you do <laughs> love that sort of ritual of like, let's get together. Let's have a meal. This is certainly something, this is a very autobiographical <laughs> story. Um, tell, tell me a little bit about like where it all, I mean, I know where it all started, but like the nugget of like when you started thinking, Oh, I think I, I think I can write this. This feels important to me. Mm. Um, well, I was writing a lot of nonfiction um, before. I um, felt like the market didn't... This was in 2017. Uh, the kids market, I felt like, was very focused on a lot of men. Uh, a lot of uh, like a, the same men, I felt like. They kept having... Um, Another, like another biography of this dude or, or even of the same women like Jane Goodall. I love Jane Goodall. She is my absolute childhood hero. Um, but there's a lot of other, there's a lot of space, um, for other women who've done wonderful things. Um, and I know she's a sell cause people know her name and I, and I get it. Um, but for me, it was like, I was doing research on these women that should have made history, uh, but didn't. And I was mm. super excited and it was actually how I landed an agent right away. Um, it was a, a series of women that, um, it was called amazing women who should have made history. And I was writing about them and doing tons of research, you know, the first woman to bike around the world and the woman who contributed, um, math to like build the Eiffel tower. Uh, the first woman who played, um, a professional, the first black woman to play a professional golf game. And they're like, uh, and there was just all kinds of cool women. And I'm like, how come I've never heard about these women? Yeah. Um, and 2018 was when we tried to sell it and the market was flooded, quote, flooded with um, these biographies and series of women. Um, but I still, to this day, I've only seen one book about any of these women um, that I had done research on. Uh, and so uh, my agent kind of felt like, this isn't working. We need to step back. And she really wanted me to write nonfiction. At the end of the day, I had invested so much uh, time researching these women um, that I needed to step back. I'm like, I can't do this right now. And I, I don't want to do another. She wanted me to do like a nonfiction um, about this, but just anything that wasn't about women. Uh, mm -hmm. But that was like my passion. I wasn't just going to write about something to write about it because the market's maybe hot for something. So <laughs> I stepped back. We ended up um, amicably breaking up and I just um, wanted to write about my abuelita, my grandma, because she was starting to lose her memory. Uh, she's 97 right now, and she's uh, definitely doesn't have those sharp memories anymore, which is understandable. Um, so I started writing about like a, a young girl and her abuelita making locro in the kitchen. And it was kind of boring. It wasn't super dynamic. It was like very dialogue heavy. Um, so then I just started, you know, your writer draft and draft and draft and um, Sunday dinners came to my head and they were extremely vivid. Like I said, I don't have super vivid memories of things, but for some reason, these some, well, not for some reason, they made a huge impact on me. They were extremely vivid. And then as I was writing, I realized a lot of my memories were compartmentalized into rooms. Mm. And then you kind of, um, I kind of just went from there in terms of like this, you know, I don't know what draft it was that I started breaking them up into rooms. So it had like a very, uh, it was kind of repetitious, you know, this living room is for, and you explain all my, like I explained all my memories for that, for that mm, room. Interesting. Um, and so those rooms ended up turning into, it, it ended up 
those, those memories were so vivid that I was writing it down. Like, Oh, I have to remember this and that, mm-hmm. and this is what happened in that room. And um, I also thought it made it more dynamic for a picture book to weave through a house and kind of explore these different rooms, um, especially yeah. for kids to kind of go through that. And um, visually you always like writing picture books. You always have to think about what's going to be fun or interesting about this page to illustrate. So mm-hmm. um, uh, dinners were, were really cool in, in many ways on Sundays on Domingos because I had tons of cousins. Um, I had tons of aunts and uncles and we all showed up and, you know, you really, you just hang out, you spend time together. Um, as you get older, I feel like that's just so precious. Like that, that time to just sit, um, and enjoy a meal together. And, um, I love food. I love eating. Um, and I really believe that food is super connective. Mm. Um, and that's why I love cooking so much. I feel like when you make a meal, at least for me, we're not ever sitting in front of a TV. There are no screens. Um, like we're going to have, we're going to sit and we're going to chat. Um, and I always wonder like when people don't cook food, um, like, are you more prone to just eat in front of a TV because you haven't had like the time. And I'm, and I'm very privileged in the sense that I have time to make food and I have a flexible work schedule. And I yeah. really understand the the challenges nowadays. People aren't getting paid enough and both parents are working and time is, time is, uh, it's, it's a crunch for people. And I, I feel so sad that this is like where our society is now that, uh, people are usually vastly underpaid, um, and don't have the ability to go and get fresh food and sit down and make a meal. Cause it takes, you know, it can take anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour and a half, depending, you know, how much time you have. So, um, I do understand my privilege in the ability to, to sit and make a nice, um, home cooked meal. Um, but it's also where my priorities are. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so I just, I love, I love making a meal cause I know we're going to sit down and, and, and have a conversation over it. Hmm. Tell me a little bit more about the, the impact of experiencing those Domingos, those Sundays and, and being a kid, like what, what was the feeling like? Like, what did it feel like? Chaos. Chaos. I call it beautiful chaos. Um, <laughs> because it really wasn't, and, and it wasn't just it wasn't just Sundays. My mom always made meals. My mom mm. definitely instilled a love of cooking um, in me, like just knowing And my, my grandma Katona, my dad's mom was extremely Sicilian and would make like amazing meals. Like you could just pop by and she'd be like, oh, let me just whip something up. And she'd have enough food for like 25 people. Um, I think there's been so many and I, it is just, it's mostly women in my life who've who've understood that and have, have loved doing it. Uh, although my abuelito did cook, he did cook a lot, especially locro, this um, potato soup. Mm. Um, um, I'm sorry. I'm like diver- uh, forgetting the question. <laughs> no, it's just the, the impact and like what that experience felt like oh, on those, right. in those sort of chaotic familial spaces. Yeah. Um, sorry. It, it was fun. It was like super exciting knowing you get to play with your cousins and run around and get into some mischief and uh, just have fun and have that time together. Um, you took it for granted. I love, I love this quote from the office. Uh, I wish you'd, I wish you'd know you were in the good old days while you were still in them or something like that. Andy mm-hmm. says it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the good old days I think are, are in all different like parts of our life. Um, and I think we'll probably look at this time with Isaac being eight 
and, you know, funny and curious as like the good old days. Um, But back then, you know, it was so much fun. My cousins and I, like, we don't live very close. Um, We're trying to do like more reunions once a year, but um, just seeing a lot of my cousins, like on an almost weekly basis was pretty cool looking back on it. Um, And just being in that space and having those moments with my aunts and uncles and my abuelita and abuelito and, sharing uh their love of their homeland through cooking uh really did like it it meant a lot to me because now i cook traditional ecuadorian food or i will even cook food from all cultures we um we call it like uh i don't know like we're going like traveling when Mm. we're just like like traveling sundays Mm. we'll make sometimes different meals from different countries like we'll we'll talk to isaac about the country and then we made like Kashari from Egypt and we'll talk to him about Egypt and like make a meal. So we try to travel, you know, travel without traveling. Um, That's through, so fun. Through food. Yeah. Yeah. It's been fun. Um, but food does that. And I think that's what's it so does. cool. Yeah. Food does it because it's, it does have such a rich connection to family and like we all eat, right? We're all humans. We have to eat to survive. Yes. And then it has this sort of uh, historical perspective and then this opportunity that you point out, which is so great, this opportunity to reflect on its origin and where it came from and what it means and, and you know, its history. And that's, there is so much, as you know, and I think this book is an antidote to that. There's so much in the world that just like we take for granted, right? We just do the thing because that's what we do, right? Mm-hmm. Uh but bringing more awareness to experience, and you mentioned presence and curiosity to our present moments and our experiences is everything. I completely agree. Yeah. And I don't always think you have to travel to really have those experiences. I think that's what's super cool yeah. is that, um, you know, uh, we live in a very uh, wonderfully diverse neighborhood. Um we have amazing Afghan food and Persian food and El Salvadoran food. And, you know, we can go and enjoy all these things. I don't remember ever remember doing that growing up. And so I'm really thankful for the place I live. Cause I do feel like, like I love our food in Lake forest. Like I I'm always taking people to get a pupusa or to try um, like Bolani. And um, I just, I really do. I love food and I love um, I love that it's, it's really not so different. Um, you know, like dumplings are pretty much a staple in lots of different cultures. Uh, they're mm-hmm. called different things. Um, rice. I just feel like it's all, it's all connective and it's all um, similar, but the way, uh, the way origins have, have reshaped it and, and kind of created their own dishes I think is just really interesting. I wish yeah. I knew more about the origin of a lot of food and dishes. So I'm trying to learn more, but like, I love chef's table. I think it's such a beautiful <laughs> series um, and storytelling and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd love to, uh, I'd love, first of all, I'd love to just get over to your house again and, and have you cook for me. Um, Anytime. Uh, and then second, I think it would be fun. You know how we were doing that reading hour for yeah. a period of time yes. during the pandemic? Yeah. To maybe sort of combine like a, a reading hour slash like, we'll like rotate it where it can be at different people's houses and one person cooks sort of a, a, a new thing. I love this. Wouldn't that I be amazing? This. 
Well, Kyle and I were actually talking about doing Sundays again uh, at our house, Sunday dinner. Mm. So like an open invite to people. And then just, um, I think, focusing on pizza, doing pizza Sundays, and then having people maybe bring different toppings and like kind of mix it up. And um, and also like we don't have to do pizza every time, but just having that communal yeah. like space where people can hang out and eat food and read a book. Even I loved, I loved those reading hours. Isaac really loved them too. And, uh, wanted to set it up here in his front yard, in our front yard with like his friends. Um, so yeah, those, those, those mean a lot, you know, I I don't think you realize it until they're done that, you know, you really do enjoy those moments together and it was quiet and your backyard is magical. Well, it's being intentional about your time. Right. And that's what I appreciated about it. And uh, what I appreciate, 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 that's not a word. (laughs) What I appreciate about your book, Dinner on Domingos, which listeners can buy at bookshop.org. It's a great place Mm -hmm. to buy it. Uh, Where else can they buy it? Where else would you recommend? Um, I I have people asking me this. I think anywhere books are sold that you feel comfortable buying books. um, But I ask people maybe to not buy from Amazon. Um, Yes, if possible. local bookstore. Local bookstore. So like even asking your local bookstore to carry it um, also helps me out because uh, they might not have known about it. Um, Powell's.com sells my book. There's all sorts of independent bookstores um, that have their own websites that also um, carry it. So, Yeah. So listeners, you're all based in different parts of the country and the world. Contact your local bookstore Tell them that you would like Dinner on Domingos to be featured there or sold there uh, and then buy it uh, because it's great. And even if you have don't have kids, it's a wonderful book uh, and it's a great gift uh, for the holidays or just for a birthday or whatever. Um, if you don't have a local bookstore near you, again, bookshop.org uh, supports local bookstores as a great resource. And fuck Amazon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about empathy heroes, uh, Alex. Um, this is the part of the show where my guests and I mention someone in our lives who is empathetic, compassionate, feely, etc. I'll go first. Um, it feels like I, I, so I do this every week. So I have like so many empathy heroes apparently, but uh, I have to come up with a new one every time. Um, my empathy hero this week is actually this new band. I, I like knew of them, but I had never really listened to their music. And I'm in this vinyl club. I don't know if you know this. Very but. cool. I'm in vinyl club where there's a theme every month and we each buy sort of each other uh, uh, um, a record based on that theme. And last month I got this Country Joe and the Fish compilation, like double LP. And these... It's psychedelic rock from like the, I think it's from like 67, 1967. Uh, it's very like anti-war, very like pro-psychedelics. Yeah. Uh, very much me. And it's like, it's so good. It's like, it feels like bluesy rock. It feels like the Beatles at times. It's it's excellent. So if you ever come over, Alex, uh, uh, I'll, play, I'll play it for you on our record player. It's It's just so good. And just like... Sitting down and listening, like I, when I got it, I listened to it maybe four runs straight, just sitting on the couch, listening to it and, and talk about creating intentional space to just be in a, in a record. It's, uh, it's special. Um, so I'm going to call, uh, the band's Country Joe and the Fish. And I think the compilation album is like, I I don't remember exactly what it's called. I'll, I'll send it to you after, but. (laughs) 
the band is just great. Country Jones. Sounds Check super rad. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Who's your empathy hero? Um, that's really tough because there's so many people in my life that I admire. Um, I've already talked to, about my abuelita. Be just one person. Either. And my grandma. Oh, okay. There is one person though. Cause I, I do think of her often and it's, um, Kyle's grandma, actually Gigi Allen. Oh. I've talked about my other grandmas, but, um, they called her Gigi Allen, and I think what was super cool about Gigi was that she's pretty progressive for an older woman, which I always um, admired a lot, but she always like met people right where they were at. Mm. Um, she accepted them wholly and fully um, and loved them just entirely for in that, in that space, and everyone always felt super safe being whoever they were with her, uh, and I don't think... I want to be that way when I'm older. You know, I do think some people get pretty set on their ways. I've been like struggling as I've been getting older with like this social media and <laughs> meta and this where we're headed. And I'm like, maybe I'm just turning into a cranky old woman. I'm already cranksgiving. Um, <laughs> um, but, but Gigi, uh, I thought was um, super, just a super cool woman. She was wonderful to be around and just, just always just met you right there. Like, mm could always feel safe with her. And I thought that was all of her grandkids felt comfortable telling her anything. Um, I love that. I thought that was really fucking cool. That is cool. Yeah. I love that. Go Gigi Ellen. Yeah. Uh, so where can, I, I know you're not really a social media person, but where can other people connect with you? Do you have a website? I think you have a website. I am on social media. I have to be, and I don't hate it. I just, you know, limits. Um, yeah. So you can find me uh, at Alexandra Katona, K-A-T-O-N-A dot com. I'm also on Twitter, um, Alex underscore Katona C. Um, I'm on, uh, I am on Instagram, but it's more private. Um, so I think Twitter is the space where I really have connected with a lot of authors um, and found that writing community. And it's been really wonderful. Um, awesome. Yeah, it's been great. So, yeah, so you can connect with me uh, on my website. There's a forum if you want to chat. Um, and, yeah, it's where I'm at usually. Excellent. Well, listeners, those links will be in the show notes for this episode at feelyhuman.co. Alex, Thank you, friend, for being here, for uh, showing up in the way that you do, and uh, for writing your beautiful book, Dinner on Domingos. Thank you so much for having me, Known. I um, haven't really talked openly about a lot of this stuff, and it's been a real honor to, um, to open up and share with you. You're extremely easy to talk to, and I'm just so appreciative of our friendship. Likewise, friend. And to you listeners, as I always say, I'm here, you're here, we're here together, on this wayward, overwhelming, on spiring pale blue dot, we have each other. It's you, me, empathy.